Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And Father, we do thank you again this morning for your goodness in our lives. Lord, you are wonderful. You are creator God. You made the heavens and the earth, and you made all of us. Lord, that we might know you, that we might, Lord, live for you and no longer live for ourselves. Oh, Lord, it's a privilege to do that because, Jesus, you died for our sins. Your blood was shed, not for yours, but for our sins. You had no sin. And so here we are. We pray this morning, Lord, that as we study your word, that you would speak to our hearts. Pour out your grace. Holy Spirit, lead us in your ways. Give us all who are here those who are watching and listening, give us all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. And so Paul the Apostle, as you know, is writing this letter to the church that's in Rome. And it's a church that he hadn't visited, but he wants to visit. It's a church that, that all the world has heard of their faith. They, they, God is doing a mighty work in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And uh, it was his desire to visit them greatly, to impart some spiritual gift to them uh, that they might be established. And he said not just that they would be established, but that uh, together they would be encouraged by their mutual faith. He desired to go there, share with them more about Jesus. And he had planned to visit them, but was hindered up until now. And Paul said to them that he is a debtor. He's a debtor to all men, to uh, the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. In other words, Paul is saying, I, I, I'm indebted to everyone. That's how he saw himself. I owe all men to share with them the gospel of Christ, because the gospel is what changed his life. Paul was on his way to hell, and he was a religious man. The keeper, he thought, of the law. Religious, and yet he went after followers of Christ, as you know, persecuted the early church, until the Lord met him on that road to Damascus, and saved him through his word. The gospel changed his life. And so Paul would forever feel obligated to God to serve the Lord. But not just the Lord, but to all who would hear him share about the Lord. And so all of us this morning should remember that. That if our eyes are truly fixed on the Lord, we should have a, a healthy sense of obligation to serve Jesus with everything that we um, are, have, with everything we got. And it seems that the longer I walk with the Lord, I'm learning every day what it means to serve him with all I have and to care for others, to care uh, to 
that they eat, that they hear the gospel, care that I share the word to them, just knowing it's my obligation. And I think it's the closer we get to the Lord, the more of a realization that is that we owe him everything. We're no longer living for ourselves, but living for him. And he goes on to say that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Beautiful, confident, uh, powerful statement. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He's not ashamed of Jesus' words, for they are the only means by which sinful man can be saved. There is no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. Don't let them tell you that all roads lead to God and and everyone's truth, as long as it's a sincere and kind truth, that they'll end up in heaven. No, it's only through Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the light. So Paul's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the only means by which man can be saved. For in it, he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. That means as you, as a believer, you believe in Christ. You follow Jesus. You no longer live the way you used to live for yourself, me for myself, me in gangs and violence and drugs and alcohol and all the things that I was into. God's righteousness is revealed in my own life in the fact that I don't do those things no more. Let he who stole steal no longer, the Bible says. Let he who used to, you know, or she who used to be promiscuous, who used to be a, a, a drunkard, who used to be in drugs, who used to live a self-righteous life, whatever it is, the righteousness of God is revealed in their life when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the proof of the pudding is that they no longer live the way they used to live. And that brings glory to God. And that demonstrates God's righteousness. And how beautiful and what a beautiful mystery that is that God would take sinners like us who filled with dirt. Some, everyone has dirt, but you know what? He takes someone like that and his righteousness, he bestows it upon them. It's something that we cannot earn. It's something that we cannot purchase. It's something that we cannot on our own make ourselves righteous. God gives it to us by faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace. That says you've been saved because of God's gift. Free gift. By faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We don't get to heaven through works. We don't get cleansed through works. We get cleansed and we get to heaven by faith in the work that Jesus did on that cross for us. He did the work that only he could do. He was sinless. He died for our our sins. And so the righteousness of God is revealed. It's revealed uh, from faith to faith in the life of believers and changed lives. Oh, Lord, help your righteousness shine through us. Amen. I I pray that people see uh, your righteousness revealed in my life when I live a right life before God. Every day we should be striving 
to not do anything that offends God in our life, to live right. You want to know what's right? An In-N-Out burger is right. It's not wrong. I haven't met one person that says, That's, that burger is wrong. No, it's right. It's a righteous burger. In the same way, we need to live right. Do what's right in Christ's eyes. And every day we mess up, but my gosh, we pick ourselves up and say, no mas, no more. I, I need to live right. And that can look like, you know, a few times a day we're just apologizing to the Lord. I'm sorry, oh gosh, that thought, that word. I need to live right, Lord, because you're worthy of it. And the Lord says, I forgive you, I, I cleanse you, don't worry about it, move on and do better. Think next time, Ryan, before you speak. Pray. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then Paul will go into this display in Scripture of how disturbing and wicked sinful man is. And we have to keep in mind that as he describes uh, the sinfulness of man, it is of humanity. It is of mankind. This is a fallen world. And those who are not born again, who have not given their heart to Jesus Christ, they fall into all of this kind of ugly list of bad things that God is so gracious in revealing to us that this is how it is. This is the world. And so God's righteousness is revealed in a changed life of a sinner, but it's also revealed in the fact that he's a just God and his judgment and wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world is righteous and just because man is sinful. And in order for one to be saved... There has to be an acknowledgement of guilt, right? That's why people can say the sinner's prayer, and I pray that they mean it. And if they mean it, then they acknowledge the reality that they're guilty. Christianity only works for those who acknowledge that they are guilty. Are you guilty, Ryan? Absolutely, Lord. Then we can deal with you. Then you can be fixed. But people in the world do not believe that they're guilty. And so what we're about to read is God saying, no, they are guilty. And we must acknowledge it. Because if, if, you, if one doesn't believe that they are guilty, why would they have any need of Jesus Christ? They would have no need of a Savior. But the Bible is clear through the law all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All. And Paul would quote, would, would write that in Romans 3.23. And that would stem from Psalm 14, verses 2 through 3, that say this. The Lord looks down from heaven. That's Psalm 14. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God, they have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Not one of us does good. The Bible, this is God's estimation for the whole world. 
And you know what the world says? I'm not that bad of a person. I think if there is a God and if there is a heaven, then, then I'm sure I'd go to heaven. I haven't done too bad of things. I think I'm okay. That's the problem. You're deceived by the enemy, by the devil. There are no good people. Only Christ is good. We judge ourselves amongst ourselves and we say, oh, I'm pretty good in comparison to so-and-so. But we compare ourselves to his word, which is like a mirror. And before the law, we are all condemned. And Paul is giving this kind of biblical um, pattern for salvation, which is the law condemns us all. His grace can save us. Law, condemnation, grace, salvation. To some extent, I'm glad I was a knucklehead and a terrible sinner as a young man. In this, in this, in, just bear with me, in this, in this point, that I knew I was dirty. I knew I was dirty. I knew I was a bad fish. I knew I was a bad man. I knew it. And if anyone messed with me at that time, they would know it. I would, I would try to literally destroy them physically. I was gone so when the gospel was presented to me at church, the law part, I didn't really need it because I knew I was guilty. I just didn't want Jesus at the time because I, I wanted to still live for myself. And there are some people who think they're good. They're good citizens, good family people. They make a good living. They work hard. And in their own mind, they've, they've made up this moral system where they think they're okay. God's going to let me in. Besides, I said that prayer a lot. You, we don't understand how this works. The Bible says that we need to die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So it's not about what we think is right. It's about what he says is right. And the Bible says that we have died with Christ. We no longer live, but the life that we live, we live for him. I've been crucified with Christ. That's Galatians 2.20. That's Christianity. And that's where, as a pastor, that's my job, is that we would all kind of come along and get to that place again where we know we are alive to serve the Lord. Because the world is not. He says here in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so first of all, it, it tells us about the wrath of God, that it is, it is uh, revealed from heaven, and the wrath of God is specific, right? It's specifically aimed at the unrighteous and the ungodly, which Paul is going to, you know, share with us in Scripture. His wrath is specific. And you know that we are told in 1 Thessalonians that we are not appointed to wrath, but to salvation through Jesus Christ. His wrath, his judgment is not for you and it's not for me if we've accepted the Lord. But it is for those who practice unrighteousness and ungodliness. And there are Christians today who 
who like to say judgment begins in the house of the Lord, so we shouldn't like tell those who don't know the Lord that they're living wrong or that they should change. They're, they're just sinners acting like sinners. Heathens will be heathens after all. Ezekiel 3, 18. If you see the wicked doing wrong and you give them no warning for me, you know, his, his uh, blood will be on, on your hands, the Bible tells us. We're here to warn. Paul said, knowing, uh, knowing the uh, terror of the Lord, we persuade men. John the Baptist, when he saw um, Her uh, Herod's brother and Herodias, his sister-in-law that he married, his brother's wife, he called them out. Of his, he called them out on his sin, even though that man was not obviously following uh, the way of Jehovah. So for those who say it's not for us to tell the world, oh no, if you have a, 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 some influence on those around you, we should lovingly say, you got to change and give your life to Jesus because he's going to come judge the world on some of the things that you're doing. And that, is love, true love, biblical love. Not I'm afraid to say something because they may not like me. I'm afraid of confrontation. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The more we spend time with the Lord, the more we gain courage to say the truth that we need to say. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so it says here that sinful man suppresses the truth. And to suppress means to stop or to restrain from being uttered or practiced, right? So to, you know, we're being told here that the world, they suppress the truth of God, right? Meaning they know Sums up with God. They know that they've been created. They know that there's a creator deep down inside every person because all of us have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And all of us have been made in the image of God. And deep down inside every person that you're witnessing to, deep down inside, they know, they won't admit it, but they know that they're suppressing the truth that you're preaching, which gives you kind of confidence, right? That, hey, I know they're fighting this already, and I'm going to just go and give them uh, some push the other way. They're already fighting this. You know you feel dirty. You know you feel guilty. God's giving you a conscience deep down inside. You know it's wrong. You're suppressing it. You're suppressing it. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That is how the world is today, suppressing God's truth. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal uh, power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. God has shown it to them, Paul says. For since creation, God has shown it to them. 
the evolutionists be- believe that man came from a cell, then to slime, then to fish, then some sort of fish with legs, and then and then uh, apes, and eventually man. So from nothing, becoming something. And the Bible says the opposite. Evolutionists think that man is getting better. God teaches us in his word that man is getting worse. And as he tarries before he comes back for his church, and the world is just getting worse and worse and worse, because that is the condition of man. We started off good. He says it here that uh, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. In the beginning, it was good with Adam and Eve. He created the heavens and the earth. Remember, right? Genesis 1.1, he created the heavens and the earth. He looked at his creation and, you know, said, it's good. It's good. He made Adam, right, the first man after his own image, and then Eve. See, there was no mistaking with Adam and Eve. They knew they were made. They knew God, and that God was their father, and he made them. They talked with them. They walked with them in the cool of the garden. They interacted with him. He was their father. There was a relationship. There was no hiding that. There was no barrier. They knew they were you know, awakened spiritually, alive. Every fruit they ate, every blessing of creation, they knew who made it. There was no question. We ask people today, and they'll give you a hundred different, you know, suggestions as to why we're here and who made everything. Because they're suppressing the truth. But it wasn't that way in the beginning. They knew God. They knew Him. They knew all things were made uh, by Him. But since the temptation and the fall of man in the garden, humanity has been degrading more and more ever since. The world suppresses the truth of God because they do not want to live, or they do not want to live under Jesus' authority. That is why the truth is suppressed everywhere and every day. If any of you has a TV or any source of media, we know that in, in, in everything, like in our society, so much is, 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 is of God's truth is being suppressed in everything. I think of the evolutionary theory. Darwin's book, Origins of Species, the term evolution doesn't appear in the first edition of his book, but he speaks of this as being his his thesis. Evolution that says uh, that all nature has developed gradually through time. All nature has developed gradually. And that God did not create it in seven days. That's Darwinism. That's what's, what's taught to, you know, I think freshmen, right, in high school or even earlier. You know, that we are not created by God, but that we, you know, are the result of a big bang or accidents. And, 
you know, the, the main scientists of our, of our world, you know, you ask them, well, they, you know, where do we come from? They say a cell. Well, where did the cell come from? And they say they don't know. One even, you know, thought perhaps it was a cell hitched a ride on an alien and was dropped off here. There's a really good documentary called Expelled uh, that was out like mm, 10, 15 years ago. Stein, the guy from Ferris Bueller. Ben Stein, right? Bueller, Bueller, right? That guy. That guy, you know, it was a wonderful documentary that, you know, it's called Expelled because professors and scientists are being expelled out of their Ivy League colleges. Their careers are being ruined. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.